Welcome to the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla Holdaway and I'm a registered and accredited sports dietitian based in beautiful New Zealand. I am so glad you have joined me on this podcast where we will discuss science, sports nutrition, running and physiology alongside interviews with athletes, experts and other health professionals. Whether you're listening to this podcast during your commute, your training session or whilst cooking up a storm in the kitchen, you can be reassured information is discussed in a thought-provoking, evidence-based and easy-to-understand manner so that you have more tools in your nutrition toolbox to be your best self. In today's episode, I'm lucky enough to catch up with Daniel Jones, elite runner based in Wellington and is both a machine on the road and the trails. Dan has dabbled in multi-sport, completing the Coast to Coast Longest Day and competed internationally in adventure racing as well. Recently, he has been going from win to win, taking up the Kepler Challenge in January and then a week later winning the Auckland Marathon and more recently winning the Triple Peaks Challenge. Dan, thanks so much for joining me today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what has made you pursue running more specifically in recent years? Yeah, hey, thanks, Kushla. Um, it's a pleasure to be here and thanks for the kind introduction. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess over the last few years, I've changed from a bit of a multi-sport focus to concentrating on the endurance running. Specifically, it was the, the marathon that first drew me back into to the running world, I suppose. And yeah, I've just, you know, really had that big focus on beating PBs and, you know, just achieving, you know, achieving better times and races really um, across the marathon distance. And now, yeah, as you, as you kind of alluded to more recently, the ultra marathon distance. Yeah, yeah. And Kepler, amazing day for you. In fact, you made it look quite effortless. <laughs> so um, for those listening who might not be aware of the Kepler Challenge, it's an ultra run on the Kepler track, which is one of New Zealand's great walks. And it's about 60k in distance with about 2000 metres of climbing. Um, it's a pretty tough day out, but obviously went very well for you, Dan. Can you talk us through your day in a bit more detail and um, I mean, obviously a lot went right, but was there anything that maybe didn't quite go so much to plan? Um, and it's funny you say that, you know, I made it look effortless because <laughs> a few people say the same thing around my racing and some of the big missions that I do, but it never feels effortless. Um, you know, I'm always putting 100% out there on race day and, well, not usually in my training. You, you'd like to save a little bit for race day. That's what I always say anyway, but um yeah, I just had a really good day out at Kepler, and I think um, we'll probably talk talk about it a little bit later, but the, the back half of 2021, it wasn't really going very smoothly for me with, with a few injuries and um, cancellations due to COVID, and everyone probably, you know, had that similar experiences in terms of cancellations, but kind of wore me down a little bit. I just kept on um, getting in some really good training um, or tried to get in really good training. And I guess it all just started to come together at the start of 2022, um, which is perfect timing because that was obviously when 
Kepler was postponed to. And yeah, I, I hit that race feeling really confident with um, a, a, a nice Christmas break, I suppose, with some really solid um, endurance training. And the the race itself, it, it started out fast. Andy Good um, took it out hard along the flats before we uh, started our climb up. And I'd say that that was probably the weakest part of my race is that climb up to Luxmore Hut. And I just, sometimes I feel like it takes a while for me to, to get the climbing legs going. And so I needed, sometimes I feel like I need a hill and then a downhill and then maybe some undulations and then I start to feel good. So because of that massive hill going up to Luxmore, it did take me a while to actually really get into the race and get the legs turning over proper. And um, yeah, that kind of started to happen for me once we got to those undulations running along that skyline from Luxmore Hut. And from then on, I just felt really strong. And I, some of my splits, I think, coming home in the last 5 or 10K were three minutes or sub four minutes anyway. And um, whether that be because I thought people were chasing me down, I'm not sure. But the, the, I had no idea how far in front I was. So I was just like laying it down right to the finish line because, hey, that's the last thing you want to happen is someone kind of come up on your shoulder on that last section of the race. Um, so, yeah, overall, as you say, um, it, it went well. Nutrition was pretty much on point. I, uh, yeah, I feel like I nailed it. That race got in. I think I probably talked to you about it before, but five or six gels, um, couple blocks of cliff blocks. Uh, I mean, cu- couple sticks of cliff blocks, and um, yeah, some good carbohydrate drink along the way. So. No, it went really well, thanks. Mm, awesome. Yeah, and I mean, worrying about people on your shoulder, you had about 20 minutes or more on the next person. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. yeah, it was a bit, <laughs> I can't remember now, I think, yeah, maybe 15 minutes or so, or, yeah, I can't actually remember, but, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, sometimes it's it's better to be the one chasing because you can get um, updates along the way from, from marshals and the volunteers out on course or anyone out on course, but when you're, when you're out in the in the WAPs like that, you have no idea. You ask them, "Oh, have you heard any comms come through about you know what my what my lead might be?" No, no, and they just wonder what you're talking about. I'm probably a rambling mess um, at that stage in the race anyway, so they just probably laugh and say, "Well done." Yeah. So, so your finishing time was it? Remind me, please. Was it? Yeah, four hours thirty-seven. And the record yeah, 37. is four hours thirty-two. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was four minutes exactly off, so 4.33, I think it was, yeah. So are you aiming to head back to Kepler this year and chase that record? <laughs> well, I thought I had a really good race, and you always got to hope that, you know, you can find a few minutes here and there, and four minutes, uh, it seems like a bit, but when you are racing over a course like that, there are there are different times where, you, where I think, oh, maybe I could have been a bit stronger on that up, or maybe I could have went a bit harder there, mm-hmm. um, at the risk of obviously blowing up later on, but if, if that's what you want to do, chasing a record, um, usually the first weekend of December, so I love the race, love the atmosphere, I'd love to be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's an awesome race, the aid stations are pretty cool as well, definitely gives you a boost along the way, and yeah, very cool course. Um, with the nutrition, I was going to ask about that, but you've sort of covered that already. Um, would there be anything from what you did this year that you'd tweak? Because, I mean, nutrition's always changing, always improving things or changing it around slightly. Is there anything you'd maybe do a little bit differently? Um, that's a good question, and I always think I, I probably could always take on more nutrition. I feel like, if anything, I always go slightly light, especially to, in the back 
you know, in the back part of the race. And 30 I, minutes, say, or 45 minutes. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you, you just want those energy levels to be as optimal as possible without the stomach problems. And I guess if you can train that and train your gut to, to handle a bit more carbohydrate, then it's got to be better for you. Maybe more caffeine, say, because um, I don't think I had too much caffeine during the race. Um, and that certainly gives you a kick if you're feeling a bit low once in a while. Yeah, definitely. Caffeine's great. Um, would you use <laughs> Would you use caffeine beforehand, like in your breakfast meal as well? Yeah, well, I just have a have a coffee um, coffee or breakfast usually uh, two right, a bit over two hours before the race, so two and a half hours before the race, which is an early start and. You, you, you know, your body doesn't really feel like taking them too much, but I feel like coffee is always pretty easy to get down. And yeah, um, it's one of those things that helps, you know, move the system and get everything out as well, which is <laughs> kind of ideal when you're, you're looking at racing for the next four or five hours. Yeah, definitely. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I won't go into details. <laughs> so Kepler, obviously looking ahead, uh, December for you. What's happening between now and December? I hear there's some exciting races coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the big excitement came when we realised that there's going to be some quarantine-free travel for New Zealanders coming coming back into New Zealand. And with the rest of the world opening up, I've made that plan to, to head off to the States um, and, and race a 100-kilometre race over in Northern California uh, on the 23rd of April. And that all came about, actually, because because of the cancellation of Tarawera. So it's been quite a big goal for me. I guess I've, I've been looking at it for the last six months. Well, probably the last couple of years, I've been watching YouTube videos on the Western States 100-mile race, and um, especially in the last six months with some of the, the marathons that got cancelled on me last year, I've just kind of changed that mindset. I just got a bit over that, so I was like, uh, what can, what's going to make me really enthusiastic, I guess, about about training for this next block? And, and that just um, came down to, well, yeah, maybe what where can, where can I get out some good missions, Um yeah, what's going to really motivate me to put in some good miles. And, yeah, that turns out that I really want to race 100 miles, which probably seems pretty crazy to some people. But, um, yeah, um, it's one of those things. Love a bit of hurt. Love getting out into the onto the trails once in a while. And so um, because Tarawera was cancelled, the, the last qualifying race to try and get to Western States is this next race in April over in um, – in Northern California. So looking forward to that. And if all goes to plan, then I'll stay over there um, for the two months between that race and Western States and yeah, make my debut ultra, ultra, ultra marathon over there. Right. So the the 100k in April is a qualifying one for the miler later on. Yeah, that's the simple way of putting it. That's all one. Ouch. What makes you want to do a miler? (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah well i've actually done a 150 kilometer race on the roads over in china before um this is obviously about 10 10 kilometers further and i think covering pro- probably quite a bit more um altitude or mm. ascent descent and i yeah it's just another mission it's just something different i love um challenging the body i guess seeing what the mind can take and yeah, I guess those are the main reasons. And because, you know, I'll be against a hugely um, quality field with some some big names in the in the ultra running game racing it 
actually both races, the qualifying event. So that's going to be no joke. That's not going to be easy to qualify. But if I can do it, then yeah, I'll be in. Yeah, putting my putting my best foot forward in the, one of the biggest ultra races in the world. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So the the training you're going to have to do for that, I imagine, is massive. Um, and you shared actually about your training yesterday. You did some crazy reps up and down a hill. Um, I'm sure your quads are feeling that today. But like at the moment leading up to April and even between April and June or going to plan, like what does your peak training look like in a typical week? Yeah, so at the moment it's all about banging up the body and just trying to trying to make it adapt to to running long and for me because you know I've, I've had that concentration on the flats and on the roads I can I can get the legs turning over and running a a decent pace but it's all about yeah can I make them go up hills fast can I can I carry that over to the longer really longer distance um, so yeah at the moment I'm banging out like two hundred k weeks with. A lot of vert thrown in there, 5,000 to, I guess, 6,000 metres of climbing per week um, with some stupid missions going on at the same time, as um, you, you probably alluded to. Um, <laughs> yesterday was one of those, like a marathon with 2,600 metres of climbing in it. And, yeah, so basically it's all about just trying to make the body adapt to, to running long and <laughs> getting tired, I suppose. Mm. 200Ks a week, that's massive. Is that like in, in terms of other marathon runners and trail mm. runners and things? I mean, I know you should never compare, but is that like quite a lot in terms of what other elite runners would do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think marathoners and ultra marathoners, it's you, you change the, the training up a little bit with the marathoners, you're, you're probably looking at less. Um, less climbing, less ascent in the week, and you've you've probably got in an, another workout. So I still do a workout each week, um, but the focus has gone from, you know, getting really quality, you know, fast sessions in and really working that kind of that threshold where um, compared to now where I'm actually focusing more on getting onto trails, running up hills, running down hills, as you say, smashing, smashing the quads just so I can... <laughs> hopefully get some really good at- adaptations for those um that's those steep climbs and those gnarly trails that i know i'll be um facing over in the states yeah yeah for sure far out so with your big missions you're doing at the moment what will be your sort of peak long run or biggest mission pre say the 100k and then maybe pre the miler as ma- as well yeah so it's going to be an interesting way how this is setting itself up i suppose because right now i've got about hmm, how how long i think six to seven weeks before my race Mm -hmm. in april and so that's the 100k so i've already done a 70k mission through the tararuas uh which involved i think about three thousand meters of climbing but very technical terrain so that just meant a lot of time on the feet that day and that was just sub 11 hours of total time out there which is really hard work. So I've got to make sure that I'm doing these missions but also recovering at the same time. I don't think I'm not going to be doing a, a longer run than that, especially in terms of duration. I might go out and do one last probably 60 or 65, 70-kilometer run, and that will be the end of my um, real, I guess, big build or long-duration runs before this 100K. 
and this 100k that's thrown in I, I mean i can use that as a obviously a massive day on the feet um but i've really got to make sure that i do give myself enough recovery after that race so that i can yeah freshen up a little bit and then as long as that goes very well and i do qualify then i can actually start building back up towards western states and i'll do that um over in the states um my plan is to probably go to Boulder, Colorado, and then maybe even um, a bit higher altitude up to up to Vale. So I'm really looking forward to that, and it's why I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to to make to really try and qualify. I'm doing everything I can do right now to try and qualify because that is the ultimate goal where I can just go over, qualify, and then explore some awesome terrain over in the states as well, and that lead up to Western states. Yeah, how awesome. That that sounds epic. Um, and with the um, what you define as a recovery week for you, <laughs> um, what does it actually look like? Because I can imagine recovery still involves a lot of running. Yeah, yeah. So, so with a recovery week, um, and I thought I had one just this past week, and I, I'd kind of said to myself, oh, I'll try and do about 100 drops from 200 kilometers per week to 160 kilometers, um, we'll just maybe eliminate a few of the double days. So just, yeah, use those evening or those afternoons where I might go out for a run just to relax and really um, just take a bit more time to myself. And I said I'm for the Saturday, which usually it's like, oh, you know, Saturday will be a big run, Sunday will be, be a big run. I said, oh, I'll just have a complete day off. So I ended up actually going for a dive um, a dive that day and I was like oh you know it's just really nice to focus on something different or take take my focus away from the running just do something that I a hobby that I really enjoy doing mm. and so I ended up coming back from a dive cleaning up and I ended up running for about five or six k anyway just because I wanted a little bit of a shakeout run mm. but um that's my kind of uh, you know I guess deload week week where I'm doing a little bit less training but it's mm. still when I finish finish that week with what I did yesterday that I've already talked about, um, <laughs> it certainly doesn't feel easy. Yeah, for sure. Um, and with your level of training, and to get to such a high level of performance, you have to be somewhat obsessed with it. Um, has your relationship with running always been positive, or do you feel like at times maybe it's become like crossing that line of obsession into like always focusing on just training and racing and the next race? Um, yeah, it's, that's a really good question. I think in some ways, if you want to be an elite runner, you have to be somewhat obsessed and just really, you know, you really just commit, commit yourself to certain races and it can be, it can be very positive, but it also can lead to some, you know, lead you to some negative places as well. Um, and for sure, like when everything's going right, it's great. Um, when you pick up certain niggles or like maybe a, the training sessions stack up where they don't go, go right time after time or the races just don't come together, that can be pretty negative. But even at the moment, like with um, this qualification race coming up, I've certainly noticed that you can kind of go down, I guess, a bit of a rabbit hole. Or, you know, you just, you've, you've got to realize that you, you've got to come up for air and, you know, use your support, support system around you because you can, kind of as you say become a bit over obsessed and just you, you finish one run and your mind automatically goes to okay what's my next run or if I don't 
get out and run in the morning, your mind's just constantly thinking about that that next run. Oh, got to get out, got to get out, got to get out. When it's not actually necessary that you've got to get out. It's not going to ruin your training. It's not going to ruin your fitness if you don't even go out for you know one, two, three days at a time. You've got to really um, listen to the body, but also um, yeah, realize that <laughs> if you just get so obsessed, it can be a bit even detrimental um, to your running because. You don't end up listening to your body. You just think, oh, I've got to clock up as many miles as possible. And mentally, you just get drained because mm-hmm. your your mind is just constantly on, on the next run. So obviously, um, me talking about it, it shows that I've been there and it's even happened in this block. You know, you just go for weeks where you just get a bit bit down um, and it's nice to, to come out of that and realize, shit, okay, just um, appreciate, appreciate the good runs, appreciate the good training sessions. Um, races, um, celebrate those successes, and then you come out of that and be like, okay, sweet. Um, maybe, you know, plan your week so you're not just thinking, oh, wake up in the morning, oh, I've got to run, got to run, got to run. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, thanks for sharing. It's really interesting. And um, I guess there's a lot of internal pressure because, you know, you yourself, you want to do really well and you've got these races coming up and, you know, you want to succeed. and achieve your goals um and I'm sure there's a little bit of external pressure as well um but from your perspective because do you have a coach or do you coach yourself I coach myself at the moment so yeah how how do you sort of like I guess you have to be really in tune with your body and sort of know when to pull back and when to push a bit harder because you don't have like that external say coach sort of looking over you and watching out yeah absolutely and I I guess I have to be a bit careful at the moment because everything I'm throwing at my body with, with racing and doing these big training sessions, I seem to be adapting to it. My body, like I, I've already gone out and ran today, clocked off some 4 minute 30Ks after a big day yesterday and I only did 6K six, six this morning just as a bit of a recovery run. But it's one of those things where I think, yeah, it's, it's the mind, it's exor- like the mental exhaustion that will probably catch up to me first. So I've got to make sure after these big weeks um, and specifically big missions, because that's what takes it out of you, that I'm actually yeah, giving myself um, mentally enough time because my body's just going sweet. And I don't want to, you know, I should touch wood on that because um, I don't want to <laughs> overstate um, that, you know, things can ch- turn around um, so quickly and all this good training can turn into a, to a niggle, which can t- could turn into an injury if I don't listen to my body. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, you seem to be going from strength to strength recently, that's for sure. So yeah. onwards and upwards. <laughs> um, that's what we've got to say, yeah. <laughs> with your running journey, have you, have you always run, like, since being a, a young kid, or, like, where did you start with your running journey? I, I certainly haven't always enjoyed running. Like I grew up in a running family. My grandparents both were marathon runners, or um, you know, the, and they continued running right up until their seventies and eighties, um, which is awesome and yeah, huge influence from where I started. And yeah, my 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 dad and my mum took took us over to Fakhtani Harriers when we when I was younger and. I certainly yeah. I, as I said, I I didn't love it back then. I actually hated it. You know. You, <laughs> end up getting lost or crying um that was pretty much the general theme of most runs um and then really started to enjoy it more and started i guess the training in, in high school where we had a really supportive um pe teacher and we used to travel around 
around the country, I suppose, and go to different uh, multi-sport events where we had a cool, cool multi-sport team and I was the runner on the team. And yeah, it, that's where it, that kind of love of it just, yeah, grew from there. Yeah. And when did you get quite competitive with it? Yeah, probably, probably back then. And then yeah. I, um, that, that led for me going on to uh, university over in the States and well, you certainly know all about it when you, you go there from, from racing or running in New Zealand uh, to, to the States where you line up on a, on the start line and there's two, two or 300 people, athletes uh, lined up next to you and <laughs> you, the game goes off and you're just swarmed. Basically, you're just sprinting off, you know, off the line trying to put yourself into a good position. And for me, I'm, as I said, a bit, of a, bit more of a diesel engine. I'm sure the listeners have um, probably worked that out already. So me sprinting off the line was nothing flash. And I would always end up around mid-pack and, you know, just trying to work your way through the field. It's just, it's just carnage. It's, it's pretty hard work. It was pretty hard work for me, and I never really achieved anything amazing over in the States. I, you know, I had some decent performances and, um, you know, I tried to contribute as much as I could for the team for the because it's cross-country and even track is more of a team sport over there. You're looking for placings for your team. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I think... I've actually made big improvements since coming away from university. So all good learnings, you know. I just worked out I was too probably too slow, and that's something that you can improve as well. And I've, I've tried to do that, um, and it's probably you know come after four or five, six, seven, eight years of of training um, properly, like specifically for those distance events. Mm-hmm. And pretty fast too. Like for those who are underwear, I mean, you run a marathon, and what's your PB? Is it two sixteen? Yeah, just over yeah. two sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So pretty swift. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so you had your journey with your running and went to the states. And then what made you get into multi sport? Oh, yeah. Well, my um, my dad's a you know he used to he used to travel. He was a professional um, athlete in the adventure racing multi sport um, space. So it was the first. North Island twin coast to coast, and so I guess that you know I've always had I've always been stealing his gear and borrowing his gear to go out and do, do a bit of mountain biking and things like that. Um, so the multi sport side of things has always been there growing up as well. But then I was given the opportunity. Uh, a mate said, uh, "Do you want to go and do a race over in China? It's like stage racing where you you go over and you you bring your mountain bike, you bring your all your paddling gear and your your running gear, and then you basically go out and do a stage race. So you you race maybe five, six, seven hours per day, and then you race that day, then you race the next day, and you race maybe even two more days after that, and you do that in a team, so a mixed team of, of four, and you you travel, you race together, so side by side, and it's it's an awesome format. There's no navigation well not too much navigation what certainly suits me because i'd rather just you know know where i'm going to go and just <laughs> pretty much 100 percent you know just go till you drop basically and um yeah really had some good success joining a few different teams um across about four or five years of racing in china and so because of that i i went on and you know did some multi-sport racing in new zealand uh, crazy man, Polydor Grand Traverse went on to do one day coast to coast, um, Red Bull Defiance, and yeah, had some, had good success at Red Bull Defiance. Not so much at coast to coast. Was not stoked with my debut to say the least. Um, in, in the one day, 
Um, that's just how it goes sometimes. You know, I put a lot of training. I was going all right at multi-sport there. I'll say like different courses obviously suit different people better and the old time trial bike and me haven't gotten along too too well in the past and yeah I've done it right in the in the run across the years over Goats Pass but um, that's just a small component of that race and you've really just got to put all the pieces together um, for that race to, to make it work and have a successful day out there and I've managed that yeah in the other races and I just haven't back to coast to coast since that day and and not because I'm afraid of it or anything like that but I guess that as we kind of talked about that focus from multi-sport to to the marathon distance running um yeah it, it's come back that um that enthusiasm for distance running it, it waned a bit a little bit after university um just because I hadn't really seen too many improvements and I just over that uh the yeah, lining up on the start line, I guess, and yeah, when you're not in the top, it's hard to, to place, but when you are just finishing mid-pack and things, and you're not really seeing that improvement coming where, you know, you're top, finishing top of the field, it just feels like you're, you're doing the same thing, the same thing, and um, I thought, you know, I want to I want to be, be the best, but it's, it seems like a bit of a cop-out, but maybe that's why I swapped over to that multi-sport and was like, you know, I'm really achieving some good success doing the China races, and then when I actually thought, oh, I'll do a marathon, I came back and I set a goal of two hours 30 and got a really good running crew over here in Wellington. And, you know, we're training together, some really good marathon runners, um, definitely like the, the likes of Nick Horsball, who I was um, training up with for Gold Coast. And, oh, my my training sessions, I guess, indicated that I was in better than two hours 30 shapes. So I was like, oh, I'll try for 2.25. And he was actually going for sub 2.20. And, you know, he, he was definitely stronger than me in, in the workouts, but we're doing them together. So I said, oh, why not we go for 2.20? You know, that's the, that's the a, a goal. And so, yeah, I came out with my debut and just missed that top A goal of 2.20 into 2.20 in five seconds. So I was still really happy with that. And that's, yeah, it's kind of fueled that passion to, to try and get faster and faster. And that's where I came out with the goal of really wanting to represent New Zealand Um in the marathon and I did as as we kind of talked about before got that time down to two hours 16 or well, first of all two hours 18 40 over in Japan and then two hours 16 a bit later that year at Gold Coast and unfortunately after that um there were no real other fast ones later that year and then I'd planned to well, I went over to Kenya to do a training camp and planned to go race a, a big race over in Germany and that's when COVID hit, and since then, basically all the fast ones that I had the opportunity to go and do have been cancelled. So, mm. um, yeah, now I'm focusing on the ultra. Yeah, yeah, nah, great story. And um, with the Kenya thing, like, mm. how does that work? I mean, you don't just rock up in Kenya and start running with the locals. Like, how do you stitch that up? That must have been so cool. Yeah, well, I guess... The seed was planted to, to go over to Kenya um, when I had a, a chat with Zane Robertson over at Gold Coast Marathon. He um, he got third that year, and that's when he broke the, the New Zealand record. And you know, he that's where I don't know he went over, and well, him and his brother Jake they went over and you know did the just lived there and became immersed in that in that lifestyle of just running and improving themselves. 
Um, and so, yeah, he, he basically, you know, she come over and do a bit of a training camp. So, yeah, I did that. And, um, oh, and just other mates as well, Aaron Pulford. And, yeah, they, um, he, he's been over and said, you know, it's just an awesome opportunity to, to go and just see what it's like. And so, yeah, I was given the advice there and went over. And But that's pretty much what I did and um, started running with the local guy. You know, you, yeah, you, you go to E10. Um, I was at a guest house. Um, and, yeah. If you want to go run with anyone, you basically show up and <laughs> try and hold on for dear life because <laughs> those guys are next level. It's all about just, you know, you go and smash some big, the big Kenyan fartlek workouts and you're at altitude. So, yeah, you've got to give yourself a bit of time to adjust to that. But, you know, when you do, it, it's all on. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and, yeah, a shame that you couldn't, I guess, carry on from that and, you know, go... Um, to your next marathon overseas and COVID happened, but uh, mm. hopefully all that built up frustration will pay off in the next few months and you can take it out on some of these ultras. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've had, we have been lucky enough to, to have our, I guess that, that COVID come in, come in and out of the community a little bit. So there has been breaks. We've been able to race again and I've had some, some decent races anyway at Auckland marathon and, um, you know, Hawks Bay Marathon, I think it was last year. Oh, different races anyway. So, but now, yeah, it's just that I don't know. It's just a big passion to, to go over and, and race overseas again, and um, I'm really looking forward to that next opportunity. Mm. And lining up of some of these big races, you know, that you've, you've trained so hard for. How do you yourself handle the nerves and that internal pressure? Yeah. The, Again, that's a good question, and I think it kind of goes back to giving yourself, um, you know, taking yourself out of out of just that mindset where you get obsessed with the running. And for me, I like to just have the, the odd day here and there where I, I say, okay, I'm going to have make this an easy day. I'm going to do something that I really enjoy doing, whether it's um, – going out for a dive or getting out into the hills. I just find that's like a really nice reset for me. Um, and when you're walking up in the hills or going for a hunt or something like that, you're still, <laughs> you're still actually clocking some time on the feet. So it's all beneficial anyway. But for me, it's like, you know, it just takes the whole stress of, oh, I want to hit this pace. I want to get this much altitude gain. Um, so, yeah, it's just really nice to, to take yourself away from that you know, that, that thought where it's just a repetition in your head where I've got to run, I've got to run at this time, I've got to do a double day here. And, it's, yeah, I, I feel like I'd suggest that to anyone is, you know, have have, have a hobby or something else as well to, to take your mind off off anything. It doesn't have to be running, but everyone's got their own passions that they could probably become quite obsessed about. Mm-hmm. Even work, you know, that's what it is it's one of those mindsets where some people just get so immersed in their, in their work as well, where you've got to take a step back sometimes and think, Oh, how's this affecting me? How's this affecting my mindset? Um, I could talk to you all day about running, but I did want to get to some coaching specific stuff as well. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with your running or, um, I know tips for anyone out there who's maybe a bit of a newbie to running? Um, newbies to running well i just say you know i'm talking about 200k weeks don't start at 200k <laughs> weeks um, you know running is the is one of those things that you just build up over time like i've been right 
as I said before, like I've been running all my life and um, I've built up to that. I think when I was a teenager or going to university, I was probably doing about 100 or less when I was probably a teenager, about university, 120k weeks. And so I've slowly built up and it's one of those things with running. If you can run consistently and, you know, gradually progress your training load, then you're likely to improve, you know, try and stay injury free, just listen to the body. And that, yeah, that's the best way to start improving your times and slowly um, maybe increase your, your race distance if that's, if that's the goal. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't say, you know, some people just want to jump into a ultra, ultra marathons and things like that, but you can, you can mix up your, your races as well. I wouldn't just get, get so overly consumed at thinking, Oh, yeah, I want to do this ultra marathon. You should like, try and add in other smaller races in between just to so you, can, you know, first of all, get some really good race experience, but also realize, you know, what your body is capable of and see where you're at in your training. Mm, yeah, no, good advice. Yeah. Um, and I think I've, um, like, if I had a 100k week, I'm like, oh my God, 100k week. And then I think that's like, you'd do double that in a week. And I just, yeah blows my mind I can't imagine doing that many k's <laughs> but then we shouldn't compare should we no it, it, it's been a, a build up across you know my whole lifetime so yeah yeah no very impressive um with your coaching so you coach both runners and multi-sporters um how did you get into coaching like how long have you been doing it and what's your experience when I returned from university, I had a, a gap year and then I went into, I moved to Wellington um, with a job at PwC. And so how long did I spend there? About two and a half years-ish. But then that's when I started to see some really good success and, well, good success or relative. But, um, so you know, start to really want to concentrate on my marathon running. So I thought I can't be working, you know, these long days in office when I want to, you know, allow my body to be, you know, get the proper recovery it needs and still be getting some really solid sessions. So I dialed that back while, you know, I resigned from there and um, I got in touch with Dougal Allen. Like he reached out when he, when I said, oh, I plan to maybe do some coaching and he said, oh, we can, like he could be a mentor and I could do some subcontracting from him. So that's basically where it all started and that's we were just talking about it the other day that's been like four four or so years the time's absolutely flown by as it does and um yeah so i, I did like a personal training course and um in, in wellington just so i could like learn a lot more about like the strength conditioning because um, i know da endurance or Dougal um puts a lot of focus on that for his athletes um and I wanted to do the same and actually learn learn a lot more about it and how, how it can um, you know improve efficiencies and make you a more a more robust athlete. And so that's what I did. I did those courses there for six months and um, had some very good mentorship for um, from Dougal. And yeah, so I basically throughout that time took on a range of athletes, as you said, concentrations on multi sport and ultra running or actually any any distance running and had a, had a great time of it and still doing that to this day very cool yeah and how would you define your coaching style or your coaching approach um so we well, I try and definitely make it like as um personal as personal as possible so you know love that um 
athlete coach interaction because that's I, I feel like that's when the clients can get the most out of their running because well first of all when they're talking to the coach they're actually probably talking to themselves and realizing oh yeah okay i am feeling tired this day i i have to listen to the body i have to give myself maybe a bit more time to recover or i'm feeling good i've got to i can you know bank the this good mileage at the moment and you know it just i guess it, it allows you to yeah when you're speaking it out loud it allows you to listen as well i just really value that consistency in training if, I, if i've got a athlete i want to to work with them and have not just the short-term goals but but focus on the longer-term goals as well or for the most part, you know, because that's when they're going to enjoy the journey more rather than smashing out and say, oh, I've got this race in six weeks. Oh, how do I get really fast for it? Well, sorry, um, you know, your body's not going to change overnight. So it's something that we want to work towards in the long term. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit it's similar to nutrition. Uh, you know, you always get the odd person who might contact you a week before an event. Hey, um, I need help with all these things and also a race plan for a week. And it's like, oh, probably should have contacted me about six months ago. But <laughs> yeah, um, how, how do you deal with, say, your athletes not achieving their goals or maybe the event didn't quite go to plan? Because I know even from like the perspective of being a sports dietitian, if someone doesn't quite achieve what they set out to do, um, even if it was completely unrelated to nutrition or say in your case, completely unrelated to their training build up or preparation, you kind of feel a little bit responsible. Um, mm. how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, well, I'm glad you um, you mentioned that as well because you know it's exactly as you say. You know, you've got you've got um, clients that put all this faith into you, and you want to like you're you're invested in, in their performance and how they get on as well. So first of all, you want them to actually enjoy the journey of getting to the race, and I think that's so important because if, if that's not part of it, then and the race goes bad, then they're going to have a whole shit experience for that. You know. Or whatever length of time that that just was. So if you can enjoy the experience and actually see, you know, positive changes, uh, not just physical changes, but you know, in their in their mental attitude to, to say running or their lifestyle as well, then that's great. That's that's what you want. And if the race, you know, pans out the way that it should do, which you know, based on the based on the training that they've done, um, then that is, I guess, a a positive or a bonus. Um, but then of course, if it doesn't, then that's when, you know, that, I guess the out, the outcome of the race is, is what the, the client is kind of focusing on. And that's when those kind of, I don't know, you can get a bit, a, a bit of sadness or, um, yeah, just a, a little bit of disappointment, I suppose, if, if they don't do that. Um, and yeah, I, that, that's just talking, working out maybe where things maybe fell apart a little bit and I'd say, you know, not, you know, every race is going to be perfect. So it, it is actually thinking about that. And if a race doesn't go to plan, then I, I always just say, you know, you just got to have to reflect and then come up with some other goals. And especially if you're, if they're fit and you know, the piece to give a great training, then if it doesn't go to plan, then yeah, you want to try and lock into another race or just something that can, you know, maybe change that around or even just a mission just mm -hmm. to get out and enjoy it again. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe the, the reason why that the race fell apart or didn't go to plan was because, 
maybe lost enjoyment or just trying to find that reason why why it didn't go to plan Mm. yeah yeah it's funny isn't it and um you know when you when you've got athletes or or clients in a race and like even coast to coast recently you just feel nervous for them you just hope everything goes well and oh yeah you get the pre-race jitters (laughs) and you're not even competing I spent the whole day looking at the, uh, watching the dots on that racer. It's just, <laughs> it's just so nerve wracking, as you say. And oh, I feel for you is it like you know you, you're trying to dial in a race nutrition plan for people. That must be even harder because that is when people need you know it's not just putting one foot in front of the other. It's actually they have to make that conscious effort to eat, and it's all part of the the race. Because if you, for me, I you know I make that note. Yeah, is it? I try and highlight that as much as possible to clients. You know, if you're not eating, then you're just gonna the race is gonna fall apart after halfway. And so I can only imagine that um, you know, the struggles or you just gotta wish that they're eating right and, yeah. and sticking to that race plan. Yeah, yeah. And any endurance event is basically a race of nutrition, isn't it? It's mm. yeah. Um. One last question, just around your own day-to-day nutrition. What would you say, like, over the years as you've become pretty hardcore with your running, what are some of the biggest changes you've made with your nutrition to support that? Because, I mean, it's a pretty huge volume to support from a nutrition perspective each week. I've done some different things, I guess, over the years. Probably tried to up up my protein intake, avoid come from a – a family of like hunter, I guess hunter gatherers, so to speak. And it's like you know, there's always lean venison in, in the freezer and good good fish content, and so getting those good proteins, um, and never trying to limit myself on that for sure. Um, I have gone through. I did go for a phase where I had a, had a coach where. Um, yeah, wanted me to go towards the keto diet and try, I did try that out and I don't know if it works because that's kind of when um, I went to Kenya and I definitely wasn't going on a keto diet in Kenya because obviously I, <laughs> I wouldn't really be able to eat. <laughs> they, um, their staple diet is the ugali, which is carbohydrate and, um, you know, beans and, um, yeah, but rice, I suppose, and <laughs> so very basic food, but carb- mainly uh, high in ca- carbohydrate, which yeah goes back to probably what I'd generally eaten in the past: lots of rice, pasta, you know, proteins. So yeah, I basically just try to eat to eat to to satisfy my hunger, and that's that. Um, making making sure, as I said, just a good protein, um, good just well balanced now that's what I kind of have reverted back to yeah yeah and sometimes it's just keeping it simple mm. not over complicating it yeah no no that's right just you know good get a good amount of food on the plate eat it if I'm hungry I'll go for seconds yeah. no, <laughs> which stuff. is pretty much every night so. <laughs> yeah well you need it yeah yeah um is there anything else you wanted to talk about to wrap up the podcast probably just going back to the coaching like mm. yeah it's it's something that I want you know I'm continuing with and I just love love working with enthusiastic um enthusiastic athletes and, and clients and so yeah it's it's I highly recommend you know if, if you've got any kind of passion for the sport and, and you're and you're looking to to get advice and you know 
coaching and things like that's definitely the way to go. Um, it doesn't have to be like in a, you know, just a coach client, I guess, relationship, but there's other, you know, there's clubs out there and there's just so many opportunities for people now to, to get out and run with others and, or cycle or do any kind of, you know, training with others. So I'd, yeah, just really support, you know, and getting out and doing that. Mm. And I think too, compared to say, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, coaching's become quite mainstream now almost like it's quite common for people to have coaches. You don't have to be like elite or a really good runner to have a coach. You can just have a coach because you love having a plan and I guess finding where your own personal limits are and setting goals and just having someone who knows a lot about running to help you with that. So, Yeah, definitely. And as we know, it like, creates a bit of accountability um, <laughs> when you're, uh, you've got someone watching over you or maybe not watching over you, but making sure you're ticking the boxes and, and as I said before, keeping that consistency within the training rather than, you know, missing too many sessions and yeah, if you, if you do that, then you should be able to piece, um, put the pieces together to get a good race to, um, you know, into action really. Yeah. And how do people find you if they want to, um, know get in touch or maybe inquire about coaching where can people make contact yeah so i guess my my biggest social media is the instagram and my handles at daniel.c.jones so you can find me there and reach out for my um like dms starting to you know put some plans into into place to create a bit of a website at the moment but that that hasn't come about just yet but i'm sure i'll get onto that um so yeah in the meantime daniel.c.jones on the on the old instagram cool awesome great and are you taking on new clients at the moment yeah so um i I am at the moment actually because when i go over to the states i I need to have have some kind of um as i said a bit of a, a bit of something to take my mind just off the training so i love it'll be very nice to be you know have communications and interactions back with people in New Zealand, or not just in New Zealand, if you've got any overseas listeners, I could of course do that. We, you know, we coach remotely for the most part these days, and uh, but I always say, you know, if someone's in Wellington or if I'm heading heading over to the different parts of the country, I love having those um, face-to-face um, catch-ups. Or as you know, when I was over in Methven, we went for a bit of a, a bit of a jog. Yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely, um, love to for anyone that wanted to um, potentially be coached by me to, to reach out. For um for either yeah distance running or uh, or the multi sport mm-hmm. yeah awesome no I love your work Daniel and um yeah if anyone's listening I actually do get coached by Daniel myself and I'm certainly no amazing runner but um it's it's really great having a plan and someone to support you with that as well so yeah great coach I would recommend um. Thanks so much for your time today Daniel I will maybe wrap it up there but yeah I could talk running with you all day. Um, it's been great to have you on. Hey, thanks a lot, Kushla. And um, yeah, I think you're selling yourself a bit short there, saying yeah, you're not a um, solid runner, but um, <laughs> you've had some pretty cool performances. And as we've just seen in the last few weeks, you know, definitely get in there. So cheers, and um, hey, thanks for the catch up today.